Hey everybody, thanks for tuning in to another episode of The Box Biz. In this episode, I speak with Liam Brennan. Liam is the co-founder of BusterBox, a dog subscription box company that sends out healthy treats and toys to dog owners all over the UK. Before we dive into this episode, I want to invite you to contact Harbor Marketing Agency. We've helped to scale multiple subscription box brands to over seven figures in revenue using Facebook and Instagram ads. We're currently taking on a few more clients who are looking to aggressively scale up their subscription box, and we're so confident that we can achieve results that we'll give you a 100% refund if we don't beat your current agency or current Facebook ads results within the first 30 days. This offer only stands for the next few clients we take on, so contact us today at harbormarketingagency.com to see if you qualify. Now let's dive into the episode. All right, Liam, thanks for coming on to the podcast, man. Yeah, thanks for asking me. I'm delighted to do it. Uh, I saw some of the stuff you're sharing in your Facebook group, and I think a lot of the advice you're giving is spot on. So happy to jump on this with you. Awesome, awesome. Well, yeah, as I said before, you know, definitely always a pleasure to connect with other experts in the subscription box industry. So excited to chat today. Um, So just to kick things off here, can you tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do? Yeah, no problem. So my name's Liam Brennan, and I'm one of the co-founders of Busterbox.com. Busterbox is a dog subscription box company. We send out healthy treats and fun toys to thousands of uh, subscribers all throughout Ireland and the UK. We've been running since 2000, late 2015, early 2016. Uh, learned a lot in that time frame. We're completely bootstrapped up until this point. We haven't raised any money. That may change uh, in the near future. And I do a bit of consulting for other subscription boxes as well. And I post up helpful articles and stuff on my personal blog, leanmichaelbrennan.com. Awesome, awesome. And so can you kind of take us through the story here? Like, how are you able to scale up BusterBox to the success that it is today? And then how did you make that transition to mentoring other subscription box entrepreneurs? Yeah, no problem. Um, so when we started, it was called Scooby Box when we originally launched in late 2015. And we never had a clue how to market. It just everything sounded too good to be true with the whole subscription box industry. Oh, you set it up, people will sign up, they'll keep paying you month on month, you'll have recurring revenue. This sounds absolutely fantastic. But only when you actually get into the industry, you understand that it's not really anything like that at all. It's very, very difficult to get movement and to get people signed up um, unless you know what you're doing. So initially, I was convinced we were going to get like 300 people signed up the first month. I kept saying to the two other co-founders of the company, we'll get 300 people signed up the first month. We'll be doing like 10 grand a month in recurring revenue and we'll be able to quit our jobs. But it never, it never panned out that way, unfortunately, like 12 people signed up or something. And very quickly we realized that our ideal customer was on Facebook, but we never had a clue how to advertise. We're making all the mistakes that uh, most people make when they get involved in Facebook ads. We were boosting posts. We weren't structuring campaigns properly. We had rubbish offers just all the mistakes. So we'd be lucky if we signed up a few people every single month. 
But um, we just kept at it. We invested in courses. We kept testing. We kept testing. We got completely obsessed with it. And after a few months, we quickly understood uh, some key principles which would allow us to scale. I think it all comes down really to direct response marketing and kind of understanding that. And once you get your head around that, you can apply them rules to Facebook, to direct mail, to insert marketing, to radio adverts, to TV. You can really apply them principles to anywhere um, regarding offers and stuff. And that was really it. We just started getting uh, movement. We appeared on Dragon's Den and very quickly we had thousands of people signed up. Man, that's awesome. That's awesome. And yeah, good for you because a lot of people will get into Facebook ads and uh, they'll do exactly what you did where, you know, they'll, they'll boost a post or they'll use the wrong campaign objective and then they'll, you know, the ads won't work. The ads won't convert any customers and they'll say to themselves, oh, Facebook ads don't work. And it's like, no, Facebook ads work. It's, it's just your strategy didn't work. So strategy. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, you know, good for you guys for sticking with it. And so let's dive into that. Cause I know, you know, you're, you've had some success there and you're big on pushing Facebook ads and uh, I'm obviously a big Facebook advertising advocate myself. And so what are some, some of your best tips for subscription box entrepreneurs to launch a successful Facebook ads campaign? So I kind of, I briefly mentioned this to you just before we started recording, but I came across something you posted in your own group and I couldn't agree more with it. I think it's perfect uh, advice. Now, you really think everyone needs to pay attention to it. So you need to kind of forget about all this complicated stuff when you're getting started out. ABO campaigns, CBO campaigns, manual bidding, advanced retargeting strategies, all this stuff you kind of need to push to the back of your mind. You need to understand, number one, what objective to pick. So you're going to pick convergence. 99% of the time, you're going with the conversion uh, objective. Number two, you need to know how to structure a basic campaign. Nothing complicated, just what ad sets are, what ads are, and the overall structure of a campaign. Then you need to work on your offer. You need to have an offer that people actually want to sign up to that people are going to be excited to, which is going to entice them to head over to your website and actually sign up for your box. And you need to have strong copy, good uh, box opening videos, and then you just put that in front of the right people and you see what happens. Yeah, yeah, that, that's so spot on. Uh, so many, and this is something that, that I see all the time as well, it's like so many subscription box entrepreneurs will try to start out on Facebook ads and they drive themselves absolutely crazy by, you know, thinking about, like you said, CBO versus ABO or manual bidding versus auto bidding or what placements to use. And the reality is like, none of that matters if your offer sucks. Yeah. And, <laughs> like, you can have, you can have the best placement and bidding and, you know, retargeting combination in the world. But if you're driving an offer that nobody wants, your ads will never work. And so it's, yeah, just get that, get that ready to go. And it's step number you'd be, one. You'd be ready to do it. It's like uh, the analogy, if you went out, right, and you had an absolutely rubbish offer and you went out and you hired like the best marketing agency in the world, who knew every single trick on Facebook, they knew all this optimization, they knew everything they would struggle scaling an offer that nobody wants. They're not going to be able to wave a magic wand and suddenly people are signing up uh, for six months at full price. 
it's not going to happen. Whereas if you're, you have some basic understanding of Facebook, you know how to structure a campaign, but you have a red hot offer that people actually want to sign up to, you're going to absolutely kill it. Right, right. And yeah, that's totally true. It's, it's, it's kind of like that saying, you can't put lipstick on a pig. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And like, I'll be honest, you know, we, we see that all the time at, at Harbor Marketing Agency. Like we, one of the main things that we look for when we're taking on a client is do they have sales already? You know, if, yeah. if their product has been validated as a product market fit and, you know, we go in and audit their Facebook ad campaign and we see that they're selling even with the mistakes they're making in their Facebook ad campaigns. That's when we're like, okay, yeah, we can crush it for this client. Yeah, um, but it was a big opportunity. Yeah, yeah, but you know, we'll, we actually turn away a lot of clients because they'll come to us and they'll be like, oh, like I want to, you know, scale to a million really quickly, but I, I don't have sales and I don't have a validated offer, and it's all these things. And we'll be like, all right, well, you know, just so you know, this is a test. We can't guarantee anything because you know we don't know if it's a validated offer yet. And I think a lot of people just don't realize how important that is. Like you have to have a product that people want. Yeah, you have to have a product, you have to have an offer, and you have to be in a niche as well that can scale. Like mm -hmm. there's no point saying, oh, you're going to build a $10 million a year business, but your niche is so small, there's not enough customers in it to actually support a business of that uh, volume. So that that's really interesting. Let's dive into that a little bit. So yeah. how important... Should every subscription box company have a niche? And if so, you know, what size should that niche be? How niche should they get? Because, you know, you also look at, say, like Dollar Shave Club, for example, which is one of the earliest, most successful subscription box companies. And they're just yeah. like men's razors, which is a massive market. Yeah. Um, so if you're launching a subscription box company in 2020, what route would you go? Would you look for one of those mass market uh, strategies or would you go more niche today? It depends, right? You can look at it two ways because if you're dead right in what you're saying and if we look at biggest subscription boxes so far, a lot of them have been mass market. If we're looking at Birchbox, Dollar Shave Club, Harry's, Barkbox, any of the really, really big ones, Blue Apron, they're really, really mass market uh, subscriptions. But all of them companies have raised a serious amount of money to get to that point. So it really comes down to where you want to go in your business and what you want to do. If you want to have a mass market company doing $100 million a year in sales, I think it's really important that you do pick a niche like that, that can actually uh, support that volume. And then if you want, you can go out, you can raise some money and you can make that happen. Whereas if you want a lifestyle business where you can hire a couple of employees and you can earn a really, really good salary and you don't have any of that hassle. Maybe you should niche down a bit, but don't pick a niche that is so small. You won't be able to stack your metrics up because at the end of the day, even if you have 10% churn and you have like, what, 2,000 people signed up, you're going to have to find 200 people every single month just to sustain where you are. Right, right. And uh, <laughs> yeah, one one kind of funny saying I found on this is like you don't want to pick a niche of under underwater basket weavers no you don't want to pick a niche where you can't build a business yeah yeah <laughs> that, that's pretty funny um yeah and that, that's a really good point too it's you know you have to decide 
what's right for you and what do you want? You know, if, if you're, if you have ambitions to be the next dollar shave club, it's a very different business strategy than, you know, if you just want a lifestyle business, which I, I think most subscription box entrepreneurs kind of lean towards, uh, you know, they like, they, they, they want a business that serves them and that, you know, they can, uh, kind of step away from a little bit and have a nice lifestyle. I don't think everybody is trying to go for that, you know, dollar shave club, like unicorn subscription business. Uh, so that's a really good point. You know, look at what you want to do and what your, what your ultimate goals are and then pick a niche based off of that. That's it. Exactly. Like, um, obviously growing a company to the size of dollar shave club would be, unbelievable but it's very few and far between you can actually pull that off mm -hmm. yeah absolutely absolutely so i want to transition now i uh, was going through your website and uh you know saw you had some really cool tips on email marketing and yeah. i think everybody uh you know everybody focuses on facebook ads and uh, all these other you know kind of outside marketing channels but they kind of neglect email a little bit and they don't realize just how important email marketing really is. Yep. And so what are your best tips for subscription box companies to convert more leads into subscribers with email marketing? So the number one thing I would say is you need, if you really want to make a difference with your uh, subscriber numbers, like not just a handful here and there, but to drive serious volume, you need a lot of leads coming through your system. Um, because email marketing is getting more and more difficult. It's still highly effective. It's still a great channel. What's getting more difficult, open rates are taking a hammer in. Google have promotions, tabs. There's always something we're fighting against. So the only real way you're going to deal with is at volume. If you've got fresh leads coming through every single day. So my advice around that is try to build a funnel which you can collect email addresses for as cheap as possible some sort of self-liquidating funnel. Um, and that way you'll just have a constant supply of leads coming through and you can set up a sequence and you can email them and get them signed up. We got, we, sorry, go ahead. Do you recommend that people uh, set up, like let's say that they're driving traffic from Facebook ads. Uh, do you recommend that they set up two campaigns, a lead campaign and a conversion campaign or do you recommend that they integrate the lead campaign into their like the lead hook right into their conversion campaign what do you think about um, that list so we've done a few different things at the moment it's for us it's implemented in we're collecting a serious amount of leads through our standard website and um, every single day but in the past we've had like squeeze pages um, right before the website and then it'll bring you through to the website after and you can collect a load of emails that way too. So it really depends on if you can create some sort of self-liquidating funnel, but then it's not really a problem because your ad spend is going to come back to you. So you can just leave that running around the clock and then you can have your conversion campaign running as well. If you can't get it fully self-liquidated and you want to kind of condense your process and you only want to be spending enough budget for one campaign, just uh, incorporate it all into the one thing. Got it, got it, okay. And so let's say that people get this funnel set up, they're generating leads, getting some sales rolling in. Yeah. What can they do from a automation standpoint to make sure that those leads that they're 
building from their funnel are actually converting down the road. So you want to be providing value um, to the leads as well. Like if you're bringing people in and you're just blasting them like Grant Cardone style every five minutes with a mother sales email, people are going to get pissed off pretty quickly and your open rates are going to fall off a cliff. So you want to be giving them some value. So like what, what can be good around this is if you have, I know this can take up a bit of time, but if you have a blog um, dedicated to your subscription box and you've articles and stuff in that and every few emails you can send out a bit of value, helpful tips and then incorporate sales emails into the sequence as well. That uh, will make a big difference. Got it, got it. So lead with value and kind of, you know, start building that relationship with them and then sprinkle in some conversion emails as opposed to just totally blasting them every single time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah that's pretty much it. And then, like, you can use for our sales emails, we try to keep them as funny as possible, but that's easy for us because we're in the dog space. So, people are delighted to see funny pictures of dogs, and we can quickly throw uh, a campaign together with like a dog wearing some sort of outfit and uh, incorporate it into a sales email. And they convert really, really well. What we found as well, if you put for us anyway, um, our subject lines, if we make them funny, uh, the open rates are way higher. So our subject lines would be things such as, hello, can I speak to the dog of the house? Stuff like that. <laughs> and uh, they open really, really well. Yeah, yeah, that, that's a really good point too. It's, uh, you know, I think, um, you know, deliverability and open rate are kind of the two things that you want to get down there. Uh, yeah. Deliverability being, you know, how many, what percentage of your emails are actually landing in the actual inbox and not the promotions folder or the spam folder. Um, and then, yeah, you're spot on, like open rate, you have to test out different subject lines and find out what works for you. Uh, you know, I remember when I was at Hunt a Killer, we, you know, we were a murder mystery subscription box company. Like we would always use these like really like creepy subject lines. <laughs> and it was, it, it stood out in the inbox, you know, it wasn't just your typical, like, 10% off today only that, that every single brand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Owns. It was, uh, you know, like, I, I, I can't think of an example that we would use right now. Like, it might have been like, uh, what if a serial killer said this to you or something like yeah, that? Yeah, yeah. And it, it builds up curiosity. And people are like, oh, I want to read that and see what it actually says. Right, right. And, and so I think it comes down to, you know, Finding your brand voice, like you guys did, you know, you you notice that like that funny kind of you know entertaining uh, tone worked really well, and then using that brand tone and baking that into a subject line that spikes curiosity. Yeah, that's it. And so, okay, so that's for converting people. Now let's dive into customer retention. Yeah, uh, what are some of your top tips to retain more customers? Like how can subscription box companies lower their churn and increase lifetime value? So I think it's really important to have a cancellation saver and to quantify it with proper data. You need to really know why are people leaving the subscription in the first place? You need to kind of quantify them reasons and then have a cancellation saver that can provide solutions to those reasons. Like I'll give you an example for us, and one of the biggest reasons is the dog will destroy the toy. 
too quickly. People get really, really angry over that. And um, so what we can do is we can upgrade them to stronger toys. Ah, that's we can upgrade, Yeah, we can upgrade them to stronger toys and that keeps uh, people really, really happy. And that's really the same for any subscription box. You should be surveying people at the very minimum and finding out why they're actually leaving and then come up with a solution to solve the problem. Is it a price issue? Too expensive? Okay, we'll put you on buy monthly. Okay, we'll downgrade you to a smaller sized uh, box. Don't like some of the products in the box. Okay, we've got some, uh, a special list of custom boxes we can move you over to. That's kind of what we do as well. We have a decent percentage of people who I wouldn't say they get a custom box, but they ask for specific items every single month. And we go out of our way to fulfill them asks because if we don't, our churn will be way higher. Right, right. And yeah, it comes down to just giving the customers what they want. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I, I had an interview with Christopher George last week of Subscription Trade Association. Oh, yeah. And we were, we were saying the exact same thing. It's like, man, people have to survey their customers and really understand like what their customers are looking for. Um, and you guys had very similar retention tips. And it's because that's so spot on. Like you just have to, you know, actually reach out to your customers and be like, okay, like what can we do better? How can we improve this experience? And they'll let you know. And if you can make those product iterations and improve uh, your product over time, your churn will be lower, your lifetime value will be higher. Uh, because, you know, in, in my opinion, the number one reason that people either don't sign up in the first place or they don't stay subscribed is because it's a value proposition issue. You know, they're not seeing the value in the box one way or the other. And so if you can work to improve the value, your entire business as a whole will significantly improve. Yeah, big time. And what a lot of subscription boxes are doing now, um, and it kind of ties down to the value proposition, they're going white label and they're trying to brand everything in the box. And I think that's a good way to go because the customer can't put a price on them, uh, on them items. Whereas if it's a case where they're getting items in the box every month and if they go on Amazon and they can quickly see they can buy all the items separately for way cheaper, there's going to be long-term problems in your business. You're going to have issues with sure. That's really interesting. Yeah, I, I didn't even think of that, but that, that actually is genius because yeah, then it's, it's actually like this, you know, branded experience and you can only get these products from, you know, this company uh, and it just kind of feels more uh, authentic. And yeah. I, I could totally see how that, that makes sense. Um, so any other retention tips there that, so we went over save offers and uh, we went over, you know, improving the value proposition in your box. Are there any other, you know, nuggets of gold that you want to share for, for retention? Yeah. So like what you can do as well is if you can make it more than just a box, because when you think about subscription boxes, right? Like they only really hear from us at two points in the month when they get billed and when they receive the box. Whereas if you look at like Netflix or software or whatever, there's, that's being used all the time. So it kind of justifies the value. Whereas with a subscription box, obviously we don't. So like you can build a community around your box and we have a really good Facebook group for our subscription box and we post in there and we give value. We do like competitions for our customers. We'll do like secret raffles just randomly during the week. Um, and we'll give a big selection of our customers free months 
will add extra items to their box. Um, again, providing value in email, giving out tips and stuff, uh, dog tips, all those things can make a big, big uh, difference when it comes to retention. Yeah, yeah, and that, that kind of adds like sort of a sticky element to your experience where you know they might not want to unsubscribe because they don't want to lose access to that awesome community that they're a part of. Yeah. Like let's say that they're making you know friends in this community and they're uh, speaking with other members. It's like if they unsubscribe, you know they they lose all those other good things about the experience. Uh, yeah, so community is is definitely really really important and just you know making sure that you're engaging with people outside of like you said just you know those two touch points is is massive. Big time, yeah. So next question here, what are some of the most common struggles that you see to actually scaling a subscription box company? So I know like some of the big ones are customer service and operations as people start to get some sales in the door. Yeah. Um, how can people or how can subscription box founders scale those two parts of the business? Like what are some systems or strategies that you've seen work to, you know, I guess minimize the amount of errors that will inevitably come with scaling up those two parts. So customer service and what was the other one? Uh, operations, so fulfillment, logistics. Operations and fulfillment. So customer service, you kind of have to know when to let go when it comes to customer service. You can't really, like, obviously when you start the business initially, um, it's really, really good for the founders to do customer service because you get an idea of what the problems are, what the issues are. But during those early months, you should be building up a process document, a manual of pretty much how to handle all um, scenarios that come up with customer service. You should have a really, really good FAQ section as well. We still add our FAQ section around the clock. It's on Sendesk. Then when the time is right, the first hire I normally recommend somebody makes in their subscription box is somebody to take over customer service. Um, it's just essential because you can't be sitting on your computer all day replying to people. You just won't get anything done. Eventually, you'll have to work on the business and not in the business. Um, and that's really, really important. We've actually, we hired, the first hire we did was customer service. It was a good few years ago now, and we still say to this day, it was probably the best thing we ever did in the entire business. Um, yeah. Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> uh, yeah, that, that, that's totally spot on. Like you have to work on the business and not in the business. At a certain point, you have to transition to the, the CEO and not the founder. Oh, big time, yeah, because you just you get nothing done if you're just sitting there replying to people um, all the time. And in regards to operations like scaling up, we actually do all of our fulfillment in our warehouse. Um, it, this really depends on the business. There's no really right or wrong answer here. We've like analyzed all the costs. And for us, it's actually cheaper to do it on site um, in our warehouse. So we have like employees and stuff who come in and they pack our boxes. Uh, for us. Well, at the moment we can't because of the coronavirus, so it's a complete nightmare. The three of us are down in the office, we're in the warehouse packing boxes around the clock. Like oh. nearly, half, nearly half our month has been spent packing boxes because there's so many boxes going out. <laughs> well, yeah, it's crazy what uh, this whole coronavirus thing has done just to, you know, operations for people. And uh, it, it, I mean, one thing that has been kind of cool about this whole thing is seeing people's ability to pivot and still make it work 
you know, even when they can't fulfill like they normally would be able to. Um, most e-commerce entrepreneurs that I speak to, like they're getting it done, which is really impressive and really cool to see. Yeah, it's the same with me. Everybody who I've been speaking to, they've all pretty much seen an increase in sales and problems have come with that, but they're all good problems to be facing. Right, but right. In regards to scaling up, um, one of the big things is, right, do you have a business that actually can scale up? That's the kind of question. I'm actually writing an article about that. I think the big thing about that is, right, do you have a subscription box that will support paid advertising to get to those heights, to get to a million annual run rate, to two million annual run rate, to five million annual run rate? It, a lot of it will come down to churn and the acquisition cost. Like, there's a kind of test that I was thinking about and I've been telling people to do it. And it's like, you need to look at your business when it gets to $83,000 a month. When you get to $83,000 a month, what does your business look like? Is it a case where you can hire people to help you, where you're taking a decent salary, where you're able to pay your marketing cost to sustain that and grow? If so, you have a good business and just keep doing what you're doing. But if it's a case where you get there and you can't really pay yourself, the marketing costs are absolutely through the roof because your acquisition cost is so high, your churn is so high, so you have to spend loads on marketing and it just sounds like a complete sham, but then you kind of need to stop what you're doing and fix your metrics and your problems because more subscribers won't really fix your issues. Yeah, that's such a good point. And a, a lot of this too comes down to, like if you can have a great value proposition and high profit margins. Yes. Like those are the two things. You will not be able to scale without those two things because if your value proposition is good, your customer acquisition costs should be low and your churn will be low as well. You should have high lifetime value. And then if your profit margins are high enough, you'll be able to support your customer acquisition costs. You'll be able to scale. And so it's like, those are the two things that are a must if you want to grow a subscription box company. Yeah, that's it. That's completely it. Like if it's a case where your churn is so high, people are canceling after a few months, and you're only making a tiny profit off them. And it basically means if you're selling a few boxes organically, that's fine. You can keep doing that. But if you really want to scale this, it's not going to work. Right, right. And so going on the, the profit margin point, uh, what is the minimum profit margin that you would recommend subscription box entrepreneurs uh, try to sustain in their boxes in order to scale? So it all comes down really to a couple of different things. And there's no really right or wrong answer because say if you're charging a bigger amount on your subscription, but you have a lower profit margin, but that's off a higher amount, you're still going to earn more money than if you have a massive profit margin off a tiny amount um, that you're charging for your box. So it's kind of like walking a tightrope and you kind of have to nail it because you need to charge a price where customers feel as if they're getting a good value, so they'll continue to subscribe to uh, the actual box, and then you can build up the profit margin throughout the lifetime of the subscription, but you have to earn enough every single month for it to make sense financially as well. So right. like, there's no really wrong or right answer. I just say this, like, if you're charging $30 for your subscription box and you're only making like $3 a month on it, you need to go back to the uh, drawing board 
and get that up to at least $10. Right. Yeah. And, and that's, that's an interesting point too. Cause I, I think there's a lot of like, you know, active membership flaunting in the subscription box industry where some people are like, Oh yeah, I'm at, you know, 10,000 members. And it's like, yeah, but you charge $10 for your subscription box. <laughs> it's like, but you're probably not even profitable. Right. Right. Uh, yeah. So that's a really good point. You just have to look at, you know, how much money are you actually making? And like, as long, basically as long as your profit margins can support your customer acquisition costs and then still make you money. And, you know, you can scale with that, sustain your acquisition costs over time and still be making money to pay yourself and pay your team and, and run the business. That's where you want to be at. Yeah. That's a good business. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it is something where, you know, just because you don't have it right, right away, you can, you know, you can swap out items in your box and work to lower your, your cost of goods sold. Uh, but it is something that you'll want to do sooner rather than later if you want to scale. Yeah, that's very true. Like very few people are going to start a business tomorrow and everything will be perfect mm -hmm. in the uh, business. Even with ourselves, there's so many different challenges along the way. So many times when three of us were sitting in the office with different mathematical equations up on the blackboard, pulling our hair out, going, oh, how are we going to solve this? How are we going to do this? But you just have to be aware of the problems of what you actually have to do. And you can work through them and uh, you'll get there eventually in your business. Right, absolutely. Spot on. So last question here, what's your number one piece of advice for people who are looking to quickly scale up their subscription box company? It comes back to what we were saying initially. It all comes down to the offer. Well, there's a few different things, right? You need to know who your target audience is. You need to have a website that actually converts. Um, you need to have a decent offer and you need to just put it in front of the right people. That's it while sorry while having a grasp on your metrics because it has to make sense financially as well how long does it take to turn a customer profitable what's your payback period if you haven't raised a load of vc money or investor money you need to get the payback period down as low as possible so you're getting that money back and you can reinvest it in more customers on the surface you may have a subscription box that's profitable but because you haven't raised a load of money you won't have the cash flow to actually grow it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it, it really comes down to just having solid business fundamentals, you know, understand your metrics, have solid profit margins again, uh, you know, website that converts and then just get it in front of people. Yeah. That's it. literally it. It's that simple. It doesn't even need to be complicated at all. Yeah. People are overthinking it. Yeah. All right. Awesome. Well, Liam, thanks so much for coming on to the podcast. Uh, how can people connect with you? They can reach out to me at any time they want on my email address, liammichaelbrennan at live.ie and my website as well, my blog, liammichaelbrennan.com. You'll see loads of tips and articles there about how to grow your subscription box. Awesome. Awesome. Well, Liam, thanks again so much for coming on to the podcast. I know I definitely learned a lot from you today and I'm looking forward to catching up with you in the future.